Hi, welcome to Driving Theology. This is Mike on a late January Wednesday. Uh, in fact, maybe the last January, and, uh, last Wednesday in January. Uh, I haven't recorded or posted several several of the previous podcasts, so I'm not sure what I'm going to talk about today. lot happening. Um, so I'm just going to verbalize some stuff and think some things out and uh, just see where we go. Um, yeah, so I've been listening to Wayne Jacobson's podcast, The uh, God Journey A Lot, with Brad Cummings. That's one of the high points of my week, spiritually speaking. Always great stuff on that podcast. I know I know a podcast about a podcast probably isn't very interesting, but I do recommend you guys going to uh, the God Journey uh, and checking out Wayne Jacobson's uh, podcast uh, and or his blog. Uh, also great, I'm sure. I, I, I don't I don't uh, I don't do his blog. I haven't read his blog before. Well, maybe I've read a few things. I'm not sure, but I mainly do his podcast once a week. Anyway, great stuff. Um, almost everything that Wayne Jacobson does uh, uh, is trying to debunk our misunderstanding of who God is and give us glimpses into the true character of God. Uh, and assuming he's right, I could hardly think of any better endeavor that you know that there is to understand truly who uh, our Creator is uh, and the implications that that has for us uh, today and always. Uh, I've been on a similar journey, uh, which is why we've been deep in the Gospels. Tonight we'll go back go back into John right around chapter 18. Uh, last week we left with Jesus hanging on the cross and he's just given his mother to John and John to his mother basically to be family uh, and to watch over his mother in his stead. myself, 
lot of it is a forgetting what I've been told. Uh, some of which, now some of it's completely true, obviously. Some of it I believe, and a lot of it's true, but a lot of it is not. A lot of the stuff that I've been taught about God, and whether it was direct teaching or or lack of good teaching that made me have um, many misconceptions about the character of God. Um, doesn't matter why I had them. But it's definitely something that needs to be taken care of. And I think everybody, uh, everybody has that. And will always have, uh, or beyond that continuum, either closer to the truth of who God is or farther away, but we're all in that continuum. Uh, and I just hope that my time is spent on this earth getting closer and closer to the truth of who God is uh, and thereby being able to, as Wayne Jacobson says, uh, live in the affection of the Father, to be able to live in His affection, to understand just how much He loves me, uh, just how much, uh, how good He is, and that is a, I think that's a worthy endeavor for everyone, so I encourage you to figure out where you are on that continuum, and a good way to figure that out is write down the characteristics uh, of God. You know, your opinions of who God is. Write all those down. Write down his personality, traits, his, his character, uh, characteristics. Write them all down and then, and then go to Jesus and study Jesus and spend a lot of time in the Gospels and try to find all of those characteristics that you think God is in Jesus. And, and, and be sure about it. Don't, you know, don't assume that Jesus felt a certain way uh, unless you're sure that he felt a certain way. Then I think you've got to at least leave, leave a question mark there. And, uh, and then you'll know where you're on, where, where you are at on that continuum. And those things that you believe about God that you don't find in Jesus, you need to go to battle with. Uh, you need to reconcile uh, those things uh, in a good way. I don't mean forcing, uh, you know, square pegs into round holes or anything like that. Um, but you may need to let go of some of your uh, misperceptions of who. God is. And if you read the Old Testament at face value, what you're going to find is a God who looks nothing like Jesus. At least if you believe the witness of the writers of the Old Testament. A lot of them didn't really understand God completely. And even the ones who you would have thought would have understand or had the most complete understanding of him we're still pretty far off and I know that because I've been doing battle with 
Jesus compared to the God of the Old Testament. Uh, and you'll find that even people like Moses, David, you know, people who actually wrote books in the Old Testament, uh, made some assumptions about the motivation, character, and actions of God that are not found in Jesus, and therefore cannot be correct. Um, and it's a good thing. It's a good thing to find those discrepancies. And it's not as if we're saying that they lied. It's that they had a perspective and a limited scope of view. And they wrote what they thought they were seeing. And with their mind, what they thought they understood. And they, they put it down quite honestly. But you can, you can be wrong and be honest. You know, just because you're wrong doesn't mean you... You're, you're telling a lie or that you're, you know, that you're disingenuous uh, it may just be that you have a limited perspective uh, and that's something that I think is a given uh, for many well, well to some extent for all of the Old Testament writers um, and so a lot of a lot of what it is is um figuring out what it means for the Bible to be inspired by God, for all scripture to be inspired by God, as, uh, as Paul told Timothy, you know, uh, I think it's what, 2 Timothy 3.16, for all scriptures inspired by God and profitable, profitable for teaching, for rebuke, for correction and training in righteousness that the man of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. So what does that mean? The scripture is inspired by God. Uh, it also says God breathed. Um, um, so yeah, that's something that I think everybody needs to really, um, like I said before, do battle with. Really needs they, they really need to to do their homework and and boil things down to a uh, integri integrity. Uh, boil things down until you find integrity in God and in Jesus. Uh, until God and Jesus become a, a whole that complement each other instead of contrast with each other. Um, and like I said, that's been Wayne Jacobson's mission, it seems like, for some, for, for quite a few years. Uh, and the things he's been able to lay down, uh, it's all been pretty amazing. Pretty amazing stuff. I would love to meet him one day. Um, his journey has... His journey in life is really speaking to my journey now, even though we're quite different.
different and come from different backgrounds and have had different experiences. What he's going through and has gone through, uh, I can apply some of it, at least to my life, and appreciate the, the trajectory that he's on and, and hope that I get on a similar tra trajectory. Sorry, I took a little coffee break there. Man, I was... Uh, Sleepy. What's going on with me? Uh, so yeah, the trajectory he's on, I think, is uh, something amazing to watch. That, that the Holy Spirit is walking with him and, and leading him in the direction that he's leading him, and, and the number of people that he is helping to uh, also walk in a truer on, on the truer path the Lord and there's some really great things there uh, yeah so you know a lot of a lot of what he has to say and a lot of where he's coming from is, is a, a, a uh, from from great uh, sorrow and tragedy or, or loss let's say that he's had in his life uh, and as far as I know, it's not so much death, although I'm sure he's lost loved ones, but it was uh, something else that that caused a huge paradigm shift in his life. And, and I think probably he started, he, he lost uh, faith. Faith in what is the question, but you know, the, what what's driven him to the place he is today the fact that he experienced loss uh, and, and even um, uh, rejection or uh, you know different things in his his career that caused him to to seek God on a truer path and uh, and he's he's of course a part of the uh, the book The Shack written by Young but he was a say an advisor on the, on the project and, and he also uh, helped get it published um, a big believer in that book and that book is a book that helps I think people who have experienced great loss uh, to figure out just who God is in all of that and not just who God is but who each part of God is the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit and where you find them in your tragedy uh, and where they are when you feel like they are the most distant where they truly are and so the the book The Shack uh, really uh, will tell you a lot about where, Jake, where, where Wayne Jacobson is and um, I highly recommend it I know I've been talking about this for a while but the movie comes out I believe March 3rd or 4th in the States, I don't know when it'll be out in Japan, but man, I just cannot wait. Uh, really looking forward to it. I recently reread Shack, uh, and I've read two two books by Wayne Jacobson that I really liked. But I'm really looking forward to the movie The Shack and, and using it as a as a way to introduce God to to people who perhaps don't know Him or to people who have misgivings about about character of God um,
<laughs> it's really, once you figure out just who God is, I think we're all just f floored. Uh, he's so much more amazing uh, than anything we could ever dream up. And he's so much better than the God we've created in our minds. Uh, he, he's, he is a God that is truly inconceivable, except that he chooses to reveal himself uh, to people down through the ages. And that mercy, that grace that he has uh, and displays in revealing himself to us uh, is also just, just wonderful. So many of us who, and I, you know, I, I know people close to me recently who have experienced great loss. And one of the first questions somebody asks often is, "Where is God in all of this? Where was God when this happened? Where was God when that happened? Why did God let this happen? Why would God ever let that happen?" And if God is the kind of God that lets that happen, then I don't, I can't love that God because that God is not love. Uh, you know, there are a lot of people who, who have that. They're, they're not atheists so much. They're anti-theists. They're angry at God. And so they become enemies of God uh, because they believe he has done evil things or at least at least refuse to stop evil things um, being done and I'm always astonished that these people see everything that's gone on in the world and read history and all the bad stuff that's ever happened and never question God until it happens to them and now suddenly because God did something bad to me God's God's bad, even though I thought he was good, but until it happened to me, uh, and that, that, man, wow, that's just surprising to me, um, and that tells us something else about where we are, if we have that feeling that I'm okay with God until I think he did something to me or didn't stop, stop something bad from happening to me, you know, that's, that just reveals an extreme selfishness. Um, on the one hand, on the, on the, and on the other hand, it, it, it reveals just a, a huge misunderstanding of who God is and what he's doing in the world now and where he is in all of, in all of the tragedy that happens. Um, Where is God in tragedy? Where is God when the innocent child dies? Uh, where is God when, when the person who uh, has so many bad things happen to them in life just can't take it anymore and, and, and has to take their own life? Why doesn't God intervene there? Where is God in all that? Where's God in the natural disasters that claim the, the, the lives of thousands upon thousands, uh, tsunamis and earthquakes and forest fires and, and 
hurricanes, tornadoes. Where is God when all the innocents die? Why does he sit back and allow it to happen? Where is God in the storm? You know, I've seen a lot of tragedy in the last six years since the uh, earthquake of March 11th here in Japan. I worked in some of the uh, relief work, not in the recovery work, but in the relief and, and taking supplies to people who needed it and, and uh, things like uh, you know, mudding out houses and clearing roads and this kind of thing. Uh, and, you know, I remember talking to the woman who lost 12 family members, you know, that afternoon. Where is God in that? You know, why, why would the Lord allow one person to lose 12 family members in a natural disaster? After all, didn't God make the world? Didn't he create the world? Now the, the God of, you know, Jesus, if, I, if, if what I said is true earlier, that Jesus is the, uh, as Paul put it, the, the image of the invisible God, if, if we can find all of who God is in the person of Jesus, well, the Jesus we know wouldn't allow these tragedies to happen. And yet they did happen in Jesus' lifetime. In fact, he talks about them when the, the tower fell and the, the many people were killed in the tower. There was famine, famine happening at the time of Jesus in different parts of the world, you know, when he lived on earth. Now, I believe as God in a human body, he limited himself at that time. But we have to realize that, yes, perhaps he didn't stop all tragedy from happening when he was on the earth. But I believe he did try to stop all tragedy that he came in contact with from happening. You know, where he was physically, I believe he, he healed everyone he he could. He healed everyone. He raised the dead. Uh, he he embraced the outcasts, the foreigner, the homeless. Everywhere he was physically, he was the answer to all of those problems. And he bids us to do likewise, which is what it means for the kingdom of God to be on earth, wherever wherever these problems in the world are being solved that's where the kingdom is that's the work of the kingdom to mend the broken uh, to include the outcast to feed the hungry to clothe the naked to heal the sick that's all kingdom work that's what Jesus did and that's what he expects his disciples to do He expects us to be the answer to the problems we find in the world. But no matter how many Christians may have been 
uh, present during the earthquake and the tsunami, we, we would not have been able to stop that from happening. You know, I suppose if somebody knew it was coming, we could pray. Perhaps God would would intervene because because of prayer. I think God does intervene in the world because of prayer. When it's in conjunction with His will. But there's got to be other answers. There's got to be other answers. There's got to be answers out there that satisfy us. We can't just say, well, God is God. He says he's good, therefore we must believe him, and yet he's in control. Uh, therefore, it's his will when innocent people die. You know, you can go that route, and your faith may hold up through that. But personally, mine won't anymore. There was a time when that was enough. But my my faith doesn't doesn't hold up there anymore. I think there's something else at play, uh, and I think uh, the author Wayne Jacobson and Young uh, and other people have found the answer, and they talk about that in the book *The Shack*, uh, as well in, as in Wayne Jacobson's book *He Loves Me*, which I highly recommend. I recommend reading those books together. Um, and I can tell you the answer that I think is there but it probably still won't satisfy you unless you find the answer yourself. But I tell you, it's out there. The answer, the answer is there. And it's better than anything we've ever dreamed of. Jesus is more than you think he is. You think he's love. He's filled with more love than you ever could imagine. Is he powerful? Yes, he's powerful. But his power is displayed in his love. Is he is he merciful? Yes, he's merciful. And he displays that mercy in his love. Does he know everything? Yes, he's all-knowing. And he displays his knowledge in his love. Everything that God is is love. Um, so if you if you are experiencing tragedy, or if, you, if you've experienced tragedy in your life that that really rocked uh, rocked you to the core and threatens to destabilize the foundation on which your faith is built. I think that's what it's meant to do. I, I think, I think, not that God willed those things to happen. I don't believe God wills tragedy to happen. But he does use that tragedy to bring you to a closer understanding of just who he is and just how close he is to you, how near he is. He's never far away. When you can't perceive him, when you can't see him in the storm that is happening in your life, he's there. He's there with you. He's there beside you. He's going through it with you. And everything that happens to you, he's going to use. Even though he didn't will it. 
that's one of the truths that, that we all need to understand, that Jesus is never far away, that he's always with us, that he's not angry with us, that he loves us completely, that he's committed to us, that he will never leave us nor forsake us. And that what he's doing in the world through, through us, is reconcile it back, reconciling it back to himself, um, and he's committed to that work, and he will never give up until it's done, and he will use every means possible uh, to reconcile every human being to himself. He he will exhaust every possibility, every last iota of energy. He will expand. But at the end of the day, choice must exist. There must be a choosing. You must have the ability to choose for yourself who you will serve, who you will love. You must be able to choose what you will do with your life. Because only in that choice, only in free will, can love exist. Without free will, without you having the ability to choose, love does not exist. Uh, and I'm going to leave it there. I mean, just hope that uh, you and I and everyone in the world will keep growing uh, into a better understanding of just how much God loves us. Peace be with you.